Welcome back to the Irish Bear Show. It is great to be back. We were on last night for our uh, fantasy draft. It was good fun. We all kind of got to rip each other. So now we're all friends again. And we can, we're going to introduce Corey, who's been on the show before. You may remember him as uh, one of our guys that when we were talking after the draft about kind of what happens in terms of some of these undrafted guys that come through. You may notice Corey from rushing through, I think it was Boston Airport at the time. Yes, sir. It was was a good time. But look, guys, if you're interested in anything that happens kind of post-draft, make sure you go back to that episode. But look, Corey, it's great to have you on, especially this week is, I think we said an offline is probably a crazy week for you. Well, thank you for having me on. It's it's truly an honor. And, you know, I'd be a little remiss. I wanted to start the show as a tribute to one of my good friends who passed away last night, Noel Scarlett. Um, he actually led one of my, um, he, you know, one of my first class that made the 53-man roster, Craig Robertson, um, played for the um, Browns and the, the uh, Saints for a little while. Um, he passed away last night of COVID. So, you know, I kind of dedicate this show to Noel. He's a good friend. You know, he loved his athletes athletes and put his blood, sweat, and tears into his guys. So I really wanted to uh, put this tribute out to him. Yeah, that's really, really positive as well, because again, we've, I think we've all gone through knowing people close to us that have unfortunately have passed away due to COVID-19. It's been a terrible thing that's kind of been going on. and It's going to be a, a main topic of the show today, because obviously it's something that teams are kind of taking in. But yeah, I saw that earlier when I think you tweeted out or it was on your Instagram. And I, I wanted to bring that up because it it is important to be able to kind of talk about some of these great people that were involved in kind of the sports world. And like you said, that he really cared about the athletes. Do you want to say anything about him as a person or as kind of you, you mentioned there, how he's so good to some of the athletes that you knew as well? Well, I'll, st- I'll have one story about him. So when I first met Noel, um, I went to his facility. Of course, he's grown through. He had grown through the years, but I um, I had an offensive lineman actually at um, at North Texas. You know, of course, first year agent. I'm just excited to have any client. You know, thinking, okay, this guy's going to go to the NFL. But what was interesting was that um, I saw in the corner of this room, I saw this athlete like in the corner. He was just jump doing box jumps. I was like, wow, this guy is super explosive. So I, I pulled Noel aside because my guy didn't really stand out. I was like, this guy's not that good. But this guy in the corner, he's pretty good. Um, and that happened to be Craig Robertson. And so um, I still remember when we went to, to lunch, we went to Chipotle, which was one of Noel's favorite spots. And we just uh, just really started that friendship from there. And, um, you know, Craig ended up making the 53-man roster with the Saints. And, um, you know, and and he's led, he's kind of guided so many of my athletes. I had Makaija Reynolds, um, who was a part of the uh, Rose Bowl Championship with Michigan State. Um, he went on to play with the Miami Dolphins, also with New Orleans Saints. He played with the Baltimore Ravens. He was a great mentor friend to him. And then currently in the league, my uh, linebacker, EJ Speed, um, he brought him through his uh, pre-draft training. And of course, he's with the Colts now. And, you know, EJ, I think, posted a, a great dedication. Um, he kind of changed his IG profile um, to one of Noel's um, pictures. So Noel was just just an awesome guy. I mean, just, you know, it, it always I mean, I kind of broke down this morning whenever I heard the news because he he 
pretty much gave everything to his sport, just like what I try to do with my agency, with my athletes. So it, it really, really hit hard. So, but, but, you know, thank you for allowing me to, to, to kind of speak about that. Yeah, no, it, look, it's really important. And it, it kind of runs through to kind of where I wanted to start off before we get into like all the, I guess, really topical stuff in terms of these cutdowns. But you mentioned there kind of your start and kind of just your first kind of client, not really, not really known too much to where you've become now, where, it's almost on a kind of a weekly basis that people are starting to see from like all the big like accounts saying that you're saying if somebody has been put onto the practice squad or if somebody's got a tryout somewhere here, you're starting to see your name be out there a little bit more. So what's your journey been like from that first guy that you said that well, you weren't too sure, sure about to now where you have guys that constantly are getting into practice squad. You said there was one or two guys that are on teams as well. Also those one or two that were claimed, I think it was one of your wide receivers for the Texans. And mm-hmm. I, I was looking at earlier on today. Um, it, it's it's an impressive kind of, I guess, journey that you've been on. I know we spoke a little bit about it the first time you're on the show, but I want to give you a little bit more of a platform to be able to enlighten some people kind of what it's like being kind of an agent. Well, thank you for that. And, um, you know, the first year, you know, kind of in the business, you learn the growing pains of how to really identify truly an NFL player, building relationships with NFL scouts. I mean, you know, for me, I, you know, my first year I was, I was raw. I mean, I hadn't met a scout. I didn't really know. So I'm going off newspaper clippings with guys getting 19 sacks and 11 and a half tackles for loss. So one of my other um, players, my first year in the business, um, Kenneth Charles, you know, good friend today. Um, you know, he had 19, ta- 19 and a half tackles for loss, um, 11 and a half sacks at this small FCS school called Stephen F. Austin State University. Um, which is in Nacogdoches, Texas. And, you know, I was just so excited. I'm like, this kid is going to make it to the next level, not realizing that the prototype NFL defensive end is six foot four to 275, 280. Kenneth Charles is six foot one, 245, 250, you know, good athlete. But, you know, in most worlds, you know, I learned so many different things. So my first, um, you know, first definition I learned was a tweener. So he wasn't quite a defensive end. He wasn't quite an outside backer. He's just a guy that was, you know, a good camp body. And so, and I learned a lesson. Um, I actually invested about five thousand dollars in uh in 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 Kenneth. I'm training a nice facility, and he had a good pro day. Um, and he ended up signing with the um at that time the St. Louis Rams. Um, but he lasted two weeks in training camp. So. <laughs> he didn't even make it to the uh, initial um, at that time, 75 player cut down. But um, he just was a um, a good guy, you know, good camp body, you know, and I ended up getting like a rookie mini camp tryout, um, you know, um, that next year. But one thing that, I, you know, that came out of that are relationships, you know, and that's the most important thing that I emphasize for an agent is that, you know, I met Steve Kazor, um, who ended up signing, um, you know, Kenneth at that time. And that relationship has continued today. And I've seen some of my um, area scouts, Matt Winston now, who um, who started as a area scout with the Miami Dolphins, now assistant director with the Miami uh, assistant director of college scouting. 
scouting with the Miami Dolphins. Um, James Lifford, one of my close friends, he started as an area scout with the New England Patriots. Now he actually is a director of pro personnel, player personnel with the Houston Texans. Um, also, Chris Ballard. He, I, I met Chris Ballard when he was an area scout with you, the, the Bears. And now he's, uh, you know, a general manager with the Indianapolis Colts. So the relationships that I've been able to build over these 11 years has just been just huge. And I think that's allowed me to be able to not only be able to find better talent. You know, this year we had a great um, draft class with Felipe Franks going to the senior bowl prototype height, weight, speed for quarterback and made the 53 this year um, showed a great preseason, but you know, those relationships and being able to get that candid feedback, that transparency from scouts and knowing, OK, this is a guy that you want to invest in, that you can get a return investment. That's very important where I didn't have that the first year, you know, and I kind of lucked out on Craig. I mean, you know, I think I spent 500 bucks on him and turned it into a nice little commission over the two year period um, when he was with the Browns. So um, but, you know, you just lessons learned. It's just just really exciting to to see the progression. But the relationships, I would say, is the most valuable thing that I've had as in my agent career. And Corey, sorry, just talking about your agent career there and the, the 11 years you've actually spent in the job. Have you found it changed much over that 11 years from year one to say year to this year now? Or are things pretty much, you know, it's the same every year? Or I know obviously the, the rookie contracts would have changed in that time where the, the, the rookie scale has come in from the time when people like Sam Bradford and Jamarcus Russell were getting money that some veterans just could dream about. And now to obviously we have that scale depending on where they're drafted. I mean, is it a big difference from when you started to now? Oh, yes. Yeah. So I still remember that the rookie minimum at the my first year in the business was three hundred and seventy five thousand, I believe, or three eighty five. Now the base minimum for a rookie coming in is six hundred and eighty thousand dollars. So a huge jump. Um, but, you know, again, inflation, you know, course of time, you know, salary cap goes up. Of course, this year was the first year we actually had the salary cap go down due to the NFL supposedly saying they had losses from COVID, but in actuality, the day after the NFL NFLPA agreed to the modified agreement, they actually they actually um, ended up having um, a lower amount. Um, you know, they ended up actually making money because they had the TV contracts that came, that were announced the next day. So, with that being said. Um, that that um, that actually played a major part in, you know, just th that negotiations and different things. So, you know, it, it the one thing we found out that I found is that this is a business and, and it's, uh, you know, and it's it's kind of interesting the way things shake out with um, the salary cap. But but, yeah, it's been a big difference from year one to now being a year 11. And yeah. just on that actual salary cap. There's a lot of talk now that next year, you know, I think a lot of people feel like it's going to jump again and we're going to see a lot of action. But how do you actually as an agent think things are going to go with the next salary cap? Do you think it'll go up? Do you think there'll be a lot of business or? Another great question. Noah. So already it's been announced that the floor has been um, so floor has been set at two hundred and three million. So it's going to go back up this year was one hundred and eighty one or one hundred eighty two million, I believe. So we already have that announcement that the minimum next year will be two, uh, yeah, two oh one, I believe. But with that being said, yeah. And, and it can go up again because now um, all 32 um, teams announced that 
will be full capacity in stadium. So we'll see that, you know, that improvement um, in, in revenue for the NFL and NFLPA, because, you know, it's a joint share between the National Football League Players Association, which regulates the NFLPA certified contract advisors such as myself. And then you have the NFL entity, the brand that represents the ownership, the 32 owners of the NFL. So that joint uh, collaboration of the what's called the collective bargain agreement, that's that share of the revenue is going to be much greater because of the fans being in the stands this year. And that's also going to lead to more um, merchandise being sold and different things like that. So I would anticipate that 201 may go up a little bit more, you know, hopefully um, for 2022. Yeah, absolutely. I, I guess one thing I wanted to piggyback on just because obviously with the college football season starting this week as well, it's a, when do you start kind of looking at some of these guys to figure out if you're going to have the potential to be able to sign them? Sure. <laughs> but it's a, it is a, it's an interesting one to kind of look at because obviously with the college season starting for you guys you have a <laughs> you have a long kind of season and kind of heading into the draft process but how do you decide i guess what players that you would kind of target to see if that's the possibility because again like we see there's so many different agencies out there it's probably a lot of competition for some of these guys so what is it for you that kind of makes you settle on certain players? You know, that's a great question. So what happens in the summer and um, a lot of people, a lot of, you know, you know, fans don't really realize that this is that there are scouting bureaus that come out. Now, there's two bureaus, that are, namely, which is Blesto and National Football Scouting. Um, a lot of people, you know, they see Sunday football, they see the product, but they don't see the hours and hours, the driving miles that's put together by NFL scouts. So they have a convention or a, a meeting with the National Football Scouting and also Blesto, where they put together a list of prospects going for the 2022 draft year. And so you have different levels of scouts. So you have area scouts um, and national scouts, which are usually primarily assigned to college scouting. So those particular scouts will meet um, at Blesto and, or if, if their particular team subscribes to Blesto or NFS if their particular team subscribes to NFS and they will discuss every prospect for the that's potentially available for the 2022 draft. Now, one interesting caveat this year, keep in mind, is that due to COVID um, for the 2020 season, many of those guys actually um, didn't, they, they actually were able to return because the NCAA actually granted them an extra year. So they're a senior senior, I guess you can call them. So this draft class, um, as, as opposed to the 2021 draft class that we just had, I think we had 647 players in this draft, which is probably the lowest we've ever had um, for NFL draft classes. But this draft class for 2022 is anticipated to be about 3,000 players. So the NFL scouts have already said, Corey, it's going to be a long year. It's, so it's a lot of prospects to evaluate because you got you got redshirt sophomores, you have redshirt juniors, you have seniors, and then you have senior seniors. So it's uh, it's it's a lot of guys. But you know, the one thing with me is that I've built up a great rapport, great uh, relationship with scouts, where they actually will refer clients to me, and that is a great benefit because they know that as an agent, you know, we don't have the biggest of names like an athletes first or CAA, 
but we offer honest representation. We take care of our guys and we do everything we can for them. So because of that, and they know that we're going to be honest and transparent to the guys, we do get a lot of referrals. In fact, um, I was talking to Steve today. He referred a couple of players. So, you know, that's, but, but again, it's been a blessing to be in the business, but it's been an even bigger blessing that there's been, you know, these scouts that really see what we do and the growth and maturation of our agency and, and really feel like they want to refer clients to us. Um, and then that's good. That's awesome. Yeah. That must be a great feeling to, to have that where it's when you do kind of see that there's other people that know how well that you treat your athletes, because you can tell it by the guys even like, because from talking to you the last time I would have kind of started following some of the, the guys that we were speaking about on the show and you can clearly see that they really do trust you. And that's, that's, I think one of the most important things because you, we often hear about certain guys and how they're represented by their agents. And then you see other guys that are constantly like going through five or six different ones, trying to find that right chemistry. Like how important is it for you to kind of, get a guy in kind of early that you can build that relationship with where they can kind of fully trust you that you have their best interests in in mind you know great question i mean it's it's paramount for me you know because i you know kind of feel like for me, I want to be more involved. You know, our agency, um, my business partner, Will Felix, he's actually going to, awaiting his results. And we have a number of agents, um, Shane Williams, uh, Marlon Hollins, um, that we've added to the agency. Um, but for us, it's about really putting everything into our guys. So we really value the relationships. It's not a transactional basis for us. So a lot of the bigger agencies, you know, you'll see they'll negotiate the contract and then three years later, you know, they're saying, okay, well, here we are again. Let's renegotiate another contract where for us, it's about really building a true relationship with our guys coming to the games, really, you know, and one thing that it was interesting that to note that, um, you know, had one of, we did a, a couple of the football camps um, for EJ and then for um, EJ Speed and then for PJ Locke. And um, I was talking to the director for the nonprofit who did the football camps and they were just saying um, how many agents um, actually um, showed up and participated in their players camps and we were the only one <laughs> so none of the other age they had 60 70 camps none of their agents actually showed up to their camps you know but again we take pride in that and doing that because again that's building that relationship with our guys letting them know we're there on and off the field yeah, it's, it's definitely important. One of the things I kind of wanted to come back to is just the fact that you were mentioning about the draft next year and how there's going to be that expectation of kind of so many prospects, which when while the prospects are going to go up, everything else stays the same. Rounds stay exactly the same, one to seven. So that UDFA market next year is going to be, it's going to be pretty crazy when you do see when you're talking about you're in the hundreds to go all the way up to 3,000s that's going to be difficult for these guys. Do you think that there'll be more guys than this year that may think about staying in college just because of the sheer number of players? Or do you think we're still going to get the same guys that are, we see it every year that are maybe a little bit too young to come out that aren't really ready for the NFL, but come out because obviously it's important for some guys, financial gain, certain things like that. They, they don't really have a choice that they're trying to do for their families as well. 
like what do you expect in terms of this upcoming draft then? Well, you know, and that's a great question. One of the things that I would recommend is that for any redshirt sophomore, redshirt junior, that they really take advantage of the NFL's program to get a draft evaluation grade. Um, a lot of you know fans don't really under, don't really know that the players um, entering early into the draft have an opportunity to get a grade, and and if they're not actually graded as a first through third rounder, then they will actually get a go back to school grade. Now many players will go contradictory like, oh, I'm going to get drafted no matter what. But if you realize what waters you're stepping into with this deep draft class, really, if you get a go back to school grade this year, I would highly, highly recommend that those players take advantage of that that year to go back um, because they can get more film. And again, they're not going to be in as deep of a class because again, 2021 was the smallest draft class. Now, potentially 2022 is the largest draft class ever. So, you know, we, it'll kind of settle back down hopefully for 2023. So really I would, if there was anything, any advice I would give to a redshirt um, sophomore, freshman, I mean, redshirt um, sophomore, junior, um, or a true junior um, that's thinking about declaring early, really take heed to the draft grade that's given by the NFL. Yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting one. We have to go to that. And I guess, do you see that for some of these guys that the fact that you can pretty much go onto any kind of, I guess, blog or website and you see all these people giving out their draft grades, who they think are these kind of underrated guys in like the fourth, fifth, sixth round and everything with social media. Do you think that ever affects some of these guys because it only takes one analyst to say oh this guy's a top 15 corner in the draft and then suddenly they think oh, i'm definitely going to get drafted or is it more that the guys actually should know what's actually going to happen but do you think that i guess the increase in the i guess the viewership with the draft and people wanting to write about it and people talking about it all the time on social media do you think this ever kind of turns some of these players heads that maybe aren't ready to get drafted. And if they waited a year, maybe they would. No doubt. And, you know, Clarence, what happens most, most important, you know, which is a tough part of this job is that you have agents that will push these kids saying, oh, you're going to get drafted. Oh, you're going to be a third rounder. Oh, you're going to be a fourth rounder. Come on out. Whereas they're not getting the real estate expectation because on draft day, where are they? If they if they don't go in the third round, if they don't go in the fourth round and they're sitting in their living room and they're with their, you know, and probably the agent's not even there because by that time he's like, oh, gosh, I, I, I've, I've kind of put my foot in my mouth. So. The one thing, again, you know, agents are going to try to sell themselves. I still sell myself, but I, I, you know, we sell ourselves as agents for OSMG, but we sell ourselves with honesty and transparency. I'm not going to tell a guy he's going to go second round when I know I just got feedback from a potential scout that's, well, not potential scout, but one of my, my trusted scouts that says this kid's a sixth to seventh rounder. You know, I'd be, you know, doing a disservice to my player if I actually gave him incorrect information. So again, that's why, you know, maybe I don't, draw the the top names because i'm not going to you know puff and say oh you're going to go first round and then you know the kid goes six round you know that's that's yeah. a huge difference in money from that first round to that six round but if the kid wants to believe they're going to be a first rounder and the agent is saying that chances are they're going to sign with that guy and then they're going to be disappointed and probably want to come to osmg later so 
And sorry, Corey, just uh, Kieran mentioned there earlier when certain players can be kind of pushed up a bit in their head by someone. Have you ever had that conversation with a young player who was convinced he was going to go somewhere well above where you just thought it's not going to happen? And have you been able to kind of, how, how do they react to that? Like, do they, do they take that advice or do you find some would just push on ahead anyway and just take that risk? You know, great question. Though. So players want to be great and they want to hear the most positive feedback that they can receive. Now, again, whenever I talk to prospects, again, I probably I do it a little different. I'm going to give you the I, I always tell the kids, I'm going to give you the good, the bad, the indifferent. You know, this is where you are, you know. It, but what will happen is if you have other potential agents that are just giving them the the the, the it's always rainbows. It's always blue skies. Mm -hmm. You're going to go first round this and this and that, you know, they will buy into their own hype. You know, I mean, players, again, they want to be great and we want our guys to be great as well. But we understand that the best way to be great is to take information from these scouts to use and make yourself a better player throughout the course of the college football season, whether than just saying you're going to be great. You don't need to do anything else. Come on out. And this is what this is going to be where you go. Yeah, I, I guess the last kind of point in terms of when we talk about the draft is, like I said, with the UDFA market going to be so I guess there's going to be so many guys that are going to be there next year. Do you ever try and kind of persuade one of your clients to go to a certain team that you know are better for developing those guys that are most likely not going to make the 53 instead of like we've seen with some of the like with some teams that you never see a guy that's like an undrafted guy that actually makes the team versus I always look at in terms of for the Bears if there was like a defensive lineman or a linebacker that comes in we've seen it from the last couple of years even kind of going back to Roy Robertson Harris where he came in as I think he came in as an outside linebacker shifted him to a defensive end slash defensive tackle depending on the system you want to play him in but then over time we're able to develop him to where he actually got an opportunity to play and then got his big contract versus there are teams out there that I guess they don't value the undrafted guys as much in terms of spending the resources and developing those guys and that's a great question, Claire. I mean, so what for us, what we do, we actually do try to evaluate the teams that actually will have a greater opportunity for the guys to make a roster opening day 53 and, or and or an opening day practice squad. And the NFLPA actually plays a, a strong role in that as well. Um, we get reports prior to the draft that state the number of players that made a 53 from that previous, you know, opening day 53, opening day practice squad, you know, the number of of, um, undrafted free agents that they sign. There are a number of, um, you know, especially when you go to teams with a new coaching staff, that's always a great component because those, those particular coaches, that G GM that may be new, he's going to want his guys. So the, you, being in that program is going to give you a little bit of an edge um, coming in as an undrafted free agent, you know, um, case in point. Um, there was the, um, the player from uh, the Broncos this year. I mean, this year that uh, was undrafted, you know, George Patton was a brand new um, GM, 
great GM, great evaluator of talent because he came from Minnesota as assistant GM to Rick Spielman. Um, so I've known George over the years, great evaluator of talent. But because he was a newer GM, again, George is going to want more of his guys that he brings into the organization. And so that actually kind of um, allows the player to have a better opportunity to make the team. Or if you think about the Jets, you know, um, um, Soleil was the head coach, um, but they had an existing GM. But again, Soleil has a certain um you know, player that he's looking for. So, you know, they cut a lot of veterans and different things, but he also drew for some of his guys from the 49ers, some vets. So some coaches had that mentality. I may want to go with guys I've played with. And that was the case in point with our, um, our defensive lineman, Eric Banks. So Brandon Staley was with the Rams last year and the defensive line coach was actually under coach Henderson, who was the lead um, defensive line coach for the Rams. So they are had seen Eric last year, seen the success, seen his work ethic, just humble, hard worker. So whenever they put in the waiver waiver claim, it was easy to see because, again, they had that that history of being able to see the player, know the player. So every team's going to be a little different, but we definitely try to put them into the best system because, you know, many players are going to have multiple offers on draft day. So we don't want to just go with the most money. You know, we look at the depth charts. We look at where we can kind of attack because even case in point with Felipe, there were teams, more teams um, that had interest in them. But the one thing that we saw in Atlanta, a new GM, a new head coach in Arthur Smith, um, a great, you know, great evaluator, Terry Fontenot, um, who came from the Saints. Um, they had a vision for Felipe. We saw that and we bought into that. And again, now you see he's on a 53 today. But again, it was uh, a decision that as a whole, our agency had to make. We consulted with Felipe throughout the entire process um, because we were still thinking he was going to get drafted. And we kind of tried to push the envelope for the Falcons to draft him. But we still made sure he got compensated like a draft pick. Yeah, it's almost becoming more, I guess, more beneficial for some of these guys that when they do go undrafted versus going maybe at the end of the sixth start of the seventh because or even just in the seventh round because there was a stat the other day that came out from one of the national guys that was mentioning the amount of undrafted players that were on the 53 men roster and across the league and then you compare that to kind of sixth and seventh round picks and it's just so much higher because obviously there's more guys in that in that area, but it just goes to show that when these when you kind of put in the work and you get into the right system, like you're saying with Felipe, I know you you mentioned that before when we had you on the show. You're talking about the reasons why you chose to kind of where he was going to Atlanta because he had a genuine opportunity there, which was really important, and also getting to learn behind Matt Ryan as well is also important. So it's it's definitely something that is is important that I think a lot of players probably don't take into consideration when they go undrafted because there's probably that kind of disappointment of not being drafted and then kind of quick decisions get made, but it's probably the most important decision then what happens because the last thing you want to do is have to kind of, especially now with things to do with code where you have to kind of float around to different teams in that kind of first season, which we do see quite a lot. Um, look, that I think that's a perfect start to kind of go into this kind of cut down and the whole background around it because what most fans see is that 
it's the same that everybody knows probably about like 44 or 45 of the guys that are going to make the 53-man roster. And the fans get their fan favorites that uh, you see in training camp that suddenly they get released and everyone's like, damn, they're going to get picked on waivers. <laughs> and they don't happen and they all come back to the practice squad. But what is it like both on kind of the player side, but for you as well, that even just maybe the day prior to, you know, the Tuesday cut down, it's kind of that day after that last preseason game. And there's kind of that, I guess, nervous energy in the air, not knowing what's going to happen. Because like you've told us before, like it's the day where a lot of people kind of lose their dream of playing in the NFL. Well, you know, cut down week is I would if I was to give a assembly or a comparison, it's a roller coaster. You know, um, the one thing that I tell all my guys and, you know, whenever I'm trying to encourage them through this process, I tell them I'm very proud of them because they put everything into it. And when you have a good preseason and you know that you had, I mean, whether it was touchdown passes, great runs, great catches, like our client Jordan Franks, he had the catch on the sideline, yeah. Franks and Beans. So when you do certain things that catch NFL teams' attention, you got to keep in mind it's not only catching the fans' attention, but it's also catching the t- attention of other NFL teams. So the one thing that I always say is if you have a good preseason, you can rest assured that there's going to be an opportunity presented to you. And we had 10 players coming in um, to training camp. Um, we had our running back, Corey Taylor, who, who's one of our only free agents right now. Um, he came in a little bit later. Um, and I still think that he even put in great film, but he only had one game because they had some numbers issues. The Browns had numbers issues with linebackers. So a lot of times, you know, the, the part of staying healthy and being a numbers game in certain positions plays a role. So, you know, Corey was one of those guys that had, you know, great, you know, he actually was a leading rusher against the Jacksonville Jaguars whenever he played for the Cleveland Browns. So I think that he'll get placed, but he may not be on an opening day, um, 53 man rock, of course, opening day of um, 53 of practice squad, but he could be one of those mid to late season guys. Um, we also had our um, safety, Ladarius Wiley, who was on the Panthers, had a couple of good preseason games. Um, but again, numbers game, they had a situation with kickers with the Panthers, so they needed to release him. So again, some, you know, I see him as kind of a mid to late season practice squad addition, maybe a futures contract. But, you know, for the other eight guys, um, of course, EJ made the 53, PJ Locke, um, our safety with the Broncos made the 53. And then also, um, Felipe made the 53, but, um, you know, so to be able to celebrate with them on Tuesday, you know, when four, when, well, for me, I'm in Texas. So when three, 3 PM central time hit, it's like, wow, they made it. You know, yeah. you feel that exuberation, but then you're, while you're excited for PJ, EJ and Felipe, you're also like, I still have to do work for Jordan JT. Um, my other Jordan, Jordan Vesey, um, and uh, which one am I missing? And Christian, which we uh, have a co-representation with another agency. So I, I knew that Christian would be taken care of by the other um, agent that we have a joint venture with, um, which is HOF Sports. So great agency as well. And we do a lot of partnerships with different agencies. But so 
while you have ups on that same day, you also have downs that same day, you know, um, talking to the guys, um, you know, I remember talking to Jordan. I mean, he knew he did everything he could to make the 53. And I, you know, I was hurting for him because again, I know that he's just one step away, but at that time, you know, the Texans made the decision to release him. But again, Next day, Wednesday comes, um, you know, guys get signed to the practice squad. So those somewhat tears turn into joy. So now we were able to replace, you know, Jordan Vesey back onto the Texas practice squad, replace um, Jordan Franks back onto the Browns practice squad. Um, Christian Wilkerson re-signed to the um, Patriots practice squad and may end up actually being activated. Potentially, we'll see how that goes. And then um, then Jordan Vesey um, re-signed to the um, Texas practice squad. So with that, and, and the biggest um, thrill of the day was having um, our defensive lineman, Eric Banks, as I kind of alluded to earlier in the show, getting him claimed off waivers because that was the first time in our agency's history that we actually had an opening day waiver claim, which is big um, whenever you have, you know, because that, that shows a lot that the not only the, the Eric put forth because he had two sacks in the um, preseason, but just was dominant where, um, when he played in the preseason. And, you know, the, the Rams had, they were very deep at defensive line, but with the two years that Eric had under Coach Henderson um, and the tutelage of Aaron Donald, I mean, he was a hot commodity. And, you know, the Chargers picked up on that and, and claimed him off waivers. So it was it was a huge day. So as, as much up and down, happy, sad on Tuesday, it was mostly all elation on Wednesday. So it's, it's always that, you know, that mixture. But, you know, for an agency, we have to be able to kind of, you know, you know, celebrate with the ones that get the 53, but also, you know, realize that, you know, we let our guys that did make the 53, hey, if you make the practice squad, you're only one step away, one step away. Yeah. Absolutely. Sorry, Corey. Oh, sorry. Just talking on preseason there, how difficult was it last year with no preseason games for, for these young players not to get that chance to go out and show what they can do and to get some snaps under their belt? And then on the opposite to that, how how big was it this year for the players to be able to get out there in preseason and to show what they can do and for people like Felipe to actually get some snaps and some actual experience on field out there? Noel, that is an outstanding question. 2020, um, although every day, you know, now due to COVID is a blessing that we, we yeah. are on this earth. Absolutely. 2020 is a year that for an NFL or a, a collegiate player trying to get to the NFL is a year that we want to forget. Um, I think we'll have a lot of players that um, will never have the opportunity, I hate to say, to get um, onto an NFL field because one, not only keep in mind, Noel, it wasn't any preseason games. There weren't even any workouts, workouts up in, until training camp. So a lot of these guys, there were no rookie mini camps. There was no exposure. So it was very, very hard. So for these guys this year to not only have rookie mini camp, the rookie orientation program, which is which is called all you know OTAs or off season training activities, a full training camp, being able to get workouts in. 
that was huge for their development and being able to be at the facility. Because keep in mind, remember, 2020 last year, they didn't get um, weren't able to go to the facility until training camp began. This year, they were at the training camp from, you know, OTAs on. So that that culture, you know, being in the facility every day, clocking in it. Well, not really clocking in, but just being the first one in, last one out, um, talking with the coaches, interacting, studying that playbook, being with their teammates. That has tremendously helped those 2021 guys. So, again, I, I feel sorry for those 2020 guys that really never got this opportunity. Um, and, and again, there's going to be some great players that we we will never um, be able to see because, you know, the NFL has kind of moved on. You know, that's that's the thing. They move on to the next class. So um, this has been a great um, opportunity for our guys, especially even our vets like PJ, you know, for him to be able to shine like he did. With the Broncos, he had a, a tough competition. Um, in fact, one of the safeties that that he beat out ended up getting claimed by the Chargers, Trey Marshall. Um, so um, it, it it really was big to be able to have this preseason, this film, because that film is going to allow even our players that again, like a Corey Taylor, Ladarius Wiley, that may not be signed right now, it's going to open up doors for them um, at least mid to late part of the season. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's definitely a it's a good thing to be able to talk about in terms of when we look at these cut downs because we were mentioning it kind of before the show and how much different it is this year because like you said, there's a lot of free agents out there right now because again, even though the practice squads have increased to sixteen players per practice squad, which is great because you're seeing a lot of these guys that you didn't get to see as much of maybe in this off season that at least they're getting to be around the team. They're still getting, at least they, like you said, they're one step away from being on that 53, which is really, really important. And it's a good part of their development. But for those guys that are free agents, we've seen some high profile kind of in relation to COVID, which we'll be talking about now. We just saw Carson Wentz kind of come out today and, say that he's not going to get vaccinated. But what people need to realize is Carson Wentz saying that, Cole Beasley saying it, and the likes of some of the Minnesota guys, is so much different than one of these free agents that's trying to get a job because, and it, it's unfortunate, but I feel like these guys, they should have known this at the very beginning, what the NFL were doing, and that it's if they had a chance to get released or to get caught and, you have to remember, like you said, offline, that there is a different protocol now to be able to try out even. And some teams, like I was listening to some of the beat reporters from the Bears and they were talking about, they were talking to some of the reporters from other teams or front office members from other teams. And they're saying that, like, literally the first question that they'll ask is, well, is, is he vaccinated? Because if he is, it's much easier to get them in and to see, is it worth our time to spend resources on seeing is this guy going to fit in? Because like you said, at this point in time, there's a lot of guys vying for very few positions. And if you're kind of putting yourself in a situation where you're giving a team a reason not to select you, that's, that's probably an issue. Is that something that you've had to deal with? Is there, have you had to have many conversations with some of your clients this year, just in relation to that? Claren, an, another outstanding question. So, yes, 
Um, you know, usually the first two questions that NFL teams ask during training camp is, is he healthy and is he training camp ready? Now, the first question we got, just as you mentioned, is he vaccinated? I mean, that just lets you know the reality of the COVID world that we are living in right now. And not only um, is he vaccinated, they have three levels that these NFL teams look at. So have they started the vaccination process? So, you know, and what shot that they have? So then they may not even bring in a player that started the vaccination process because they're, they're then not considered fully vaccinated. So yeah, yeah. then are they, you know, then of course not vaccinated. Um, and essentially, you know, as we were talking pre-show, if you're an unvaccinated player right now and you have not been in an NFL camp and had a workout for this 2021 year, you're essentially telling the NFL, I don't want to work out for you anymore because they're not going to bring you in. Cause one, if you haven't even been into training camp, you haven't had any exposure in train and, and preseason football or anything like that. And you're like, Oh, I want to get in. You know, I want to get in. I, my, my first question, send me your, my first thing, send me your vaccination card. You know, yeah. I get, you know, read, you know, re, uh, you know, contacted by a number of different players. And now I'm in that mode now, like, look, are you vaccinated? You know, this is what we need to do. Get to get your vaccination, you know, and I even kind of advise the players. Uh, and again, I'm not a doctor, but the one thing that I'll tell a player is like, look, your immune system is probably better than someone like my mom, my dad, who may have pre-existing health conditions. So get the Jansen, you know, go J and J because yeah. you get, you get the one shot, 14 days, you're fully vaccinated. Um, I may not, refer, you know, like I say, I wouldn't tell this to my aunt. I wouldn't tell this <laughs> to my uncle that's older in age. But, you know, for athletes that are should be in great condition, the J&J, get it knocked out. Perfect. Get your 14 days. And then that way that starts that clock and I'm able to get those guys in. So um, the biggest thing for me is, you know, um, and, and I'll give you another story. So we had our um, safety, JT Hassel. He got released by the Jets. Um, he had a family emergency, um, but um, he actually is not vaccinated. So because he's not vaccinated, he actually um, the same day that he flew to New York, um, he actually is in Miami. Now, the Miami Dolphins called. Um, but because he actually broke protocol, um, he actually had to reset um, his his um, COVID-19 um, um, cadence, and which is a five day period now. Um, so he'll have to do tests. So as soon as he landed this morning, he had to do his COVID testing. He'll do COVID testing Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday morning. Then he can work out. So that changes the dynamic because if a player wants to, you know, let's say, um, you know, a running back tears an ACL after week one. If they bring in an unvaccinated player, that's going to take five days for them to get that guy in. Whereas if they have a vaccinated player, it's a couple of day period, which is going to be perfect. So they'll potentially be able to, you know, get them in. And of course, they may look for their practice squad because any practice squad guys are already in cadence because they're still on the NFL team. So it just makes it much easier when a player is already in that cadence. And sorry, Corey, just in terms of the, the protocols that the NFL have in place, as an agent who represents a number of players in the league, like in general, are you are you happy with the protocols that they have? Do you think it's it's the right approach? Do you think everything they've kind of set out is pretty much the best way they, they can deal with things? 
You know, Noel, another great question. Yeah, I, I and I actually totally support the NFL's and NFLPA stance because, you know, everything that's agreed upon by the NFL has to be agreed upon by the NFLPA, which, again, is the player's entity. Um, at the end of the day, you know, this is about taking care of the players. You know, we don't want the players to get COVID and these protocols. Of course, it is very much pushing towards getting vaccinated. And again, I always tell my guys, I even told JT, I mean, you know, your vaccination is a personal choice, but I have to give you what the NFL climate is. You know, this year they've added the the element that, you know, there's no that there's not gonna be Wednesday night football. There's not gonna be Tuesday night football to make up a game. These guys, if they if they are if they haven't a, a COVID breakout, they're gonna forfeit games. And now they're gonna make that team that had to forfeit due to the COVID breakout pay the other team. So they're they're serious about what they do. So um, if you are kind of on the back end of the roster, you know, you're not a Kirk Cousins, you're not a Lamar Jackson, um, you're not, you know, uh, Carson Wentz, they're probably not going to bring you in as an unvaccinated player. And I think, um, I hate to say it, um, but my opinion is I think they made, an ex- I think the Patriots made an example of Cam. You know, um, I think that, you know, he had a stance of being, you know, he wasn't going to get the vaccine vaccine. You have a first round draft pick and Mac Jones who's balling and, you know, throwing to Christian uh, Wilkerson and all the great receivers and looking really great during preseason. And then, you know, he had that break where he had to leave camp. Well, one, it looks like you're not putting your team first because you understand that now as a not is an unvaccinated player, you have to reset cadence all over. So that set, you know, cam back five days. But in training camp, five days is like an eternity. I mean, because yeah. you think about that. I mean, there's not much time between, you know, game practice and 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 actual the, the preseason game because the Patriots had two Thursday night games. So there was not a lot of preparation time and a lot of space between that. So again, that I, I, you know, I kind of think that the Patriots made an example of um, Cam and it's an unfortunate situation. You know, um, I do believe, as Cam says, he's he's better than, you know, he, there's not 32 players, there are 32 QBs that are better than him. But but, you know, again, he's an older veteran who's guaranteed money. And at this point, you know, teams are going to make decisions that are for the best benefit of their team moving forward. Yeah, I completely agree with you when it comes to Cam because. Look, at the end of the day, they were they were going to look for any excuse to be able to play Mac Jones as well and let their rookie begin that kind of time clock. And we mentioned it kind of offline, just the kind of everything that's going on currently with Carson Wentz that kind of came out today where he's not planning on doing it. Like, it, God forbid if somebody – it doesn't even have to be a player. If a family member – test positive and he's a close contact well then that puts him out for whatever it is five or six days which then could be a reason you lose a game and we know there's only there's only 17 of these one game can be the difference between you making the playoffs and not making the playoffs and it's a big thing and one of the things that just kind of listen to you talk about kind of this cadence in terms of these guys coming in maybe just think of if you're a free agent in the middle of the season because if let's say somebody does tear their ACL and the team doesn't carry a lot of running backs, you can look at kind of the Ravens right now who have already lost JK Dobbins for the season. And you're looking at now there's nobody really in there 
I know there's Gus Edwards right now, but after him, it's a bunch of kind of unknown entities there. And they wanted to bring someone in. If you're a free agent and you're unvaccinated, you're basically useless for that first week because you're not going to get to practice. You're not going to be able to get into the playbook on the field by the time you're actually able to, assuming that you would test negative. So it is one of those that I think it's, one of the main reasons why obviously that they increased the practice squad sizes this year, but also it shows that the positions that these teams are a bit wary of, you'll see them try and put these guys on the practice squad and more of them just because they have to kind of cover themselves. And I know one of the biggest kind of questions here in Chicago, because they put one of their kickers on the practice squad, because you never know if a guy like that comes down and then let's say there's only a, a finite amount of kickers that are out there. And if a guy comes in and he's not vaccinated, then you have a problem where who's going to kick for on Sunday. So that it is a, it's a really interesting dynamic because people can say, oh, it's personal choice all they want. But at the end of the day, this comes down to millions of dollars. <laughs> and if like you could be a reason why your team wins or loses, especially if you're one of those kind of big time quarterbacks, we mentioned about the Vikings, like there, that's a, that's a fire waiting, to, waiting to happen yes. because when you have, what is it? I think it, it may just be the top two. I can't remember if they're third stringer. Um, if I think their third stringer right now is Browning. I don't know if he's gotten vaccinated. I think he is, but the other two guys aren't. And that's a big worry going into any season. Like we look at some of these teams that if you had maybe, uh, a third stringer that wasn't vaccinated and maybe he's out then not a big deal but if you're losing your top two quarterbacks because someone's a close contact not even that one of them tests positive that's a big problem for for a team and you can see how pissed off Mike Zimmer was about it oh no doubt not only Mike Zimmer think about coach Rivera you know he's been yeah. very vocal in the way that he you know has had his stance because he has he had cancer you know he beat cancer um and you think about last year I mean look at um when the Broncos had the starter wide receiver as their yeah. quarterback you know I mean Mike Zimmer doesn't want to have to have you know um his and they want to have Justin Jefferson throwing the passes <laughs> to um, himself because you know Kirk Cousins and Kellen Mine, you know, chose not to get, get their vaccination. So, um, you know, again, it, it's about putting the team first. Now, you know, I'm sure for many GMs, many head coaches, when you have a franchise player, um, you know, that whole stance of not being vaccinated really makes them wonder how devoted, how, you know, how much they are, you know, about the team, you know, and I kind of wonder, I mean, I, I kind of pose this thought um, that I wonder why if, you know, with Lamar Jackson not getting his extension and you see Josh Allen getting his extension, um, you notice, you know, that Lamar's had COVID twice. Yeah. Um, and and still is choosing not to get vaccinated. I, I just wonder if that made a, you know played any kind of role in you know in, in him potentially getting this this extension. You know, I mean, you know, I, I mean, teams have to think 
for the future. Um, and they also have to make decisions that are best for their franchise. And, you know, even Urban Meyer with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, of course, it, it drew NFL PA scrutiny when he said that we we took vaccination rates into our, our cuts, which is not supposed to be the case. But, you know, but they are. You just don't want to. Put Same. it on paper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we, we, we cut you because you're not vaccinated. Yeah, okay, yeah. But, um, but yeah, a lot of NFL teams are making those decisions. And I think looking at long term, you know, um, like I say, I, I mean, I just th- think of the thought with a Lamar Jackson who's had COVID twice, um, probably, you know, I don't I don't think he has representation. I know he didn't have an agent to represent his first contract. I just wonder if that really plays a role, um, played a role in in the um, the GM's mind to say is is Lamar really about the team, you know, and you know maybe push that envelope to say, hey, we, you know, when you get you get your vaccine, where we can we can make that conversation, you know, but. You know, we'll we'll see how those things um, kind of matriculate at the end of the year, because I'm sure he won't get the vaccination throughout the course of this season now since he didn't get it in preseason. But um, teams are going to make those decisions and, and they're hard decisions to make. Yeah, it's it's definitely going to be an interesting one when we look at some of these guys that we're expecting to get contract extensions. And then people wonder, well, why would that not happen? And you're right, these GMs, these kind of guys in the front office, they have to project into the future and they're not really paying for past performance. They're paying for what you can kind of give going forward. And it, yes. it, it is a tricky one for fans because you you talk about this and then any Ravens fan would be like, well, you just have to look at what Lamar Jackson does in the football field. So why, why should this matter? But we've just kind of gone through the points and why it does matter. Well, people may not have the same opinion of it in terms of the football case we already know there's an advantage to having most of your guys vaccinated the one i think the one misconception people keep having is the fact that being vaccinated means you can't get covered that's not what this is for it's so that you're not getting badly sick from covid or you're not you're not or not making somebody else and we've seen it all around the world like there's still high kind of covid cases but you're seeing less people in icu less people dying from it compared to last year. We only have to look at it. It seemed like every single day you were seeing like hundreds. I know over here in Ireland, we were seeing hundreds of people dying on a daily basis. And now it's pretty much you're in the single figures or deaths, but like we still see the cases are still pretty high in comparison, but it's just one of those that it's an, it's an interesting one. And one thing I wanted to kind of bring back is one of the points that you mentioned in terms of if this is, if it was a young guy, and you would just say, look, just get the Johnson and Johnson one because at least it's just one. The same kind of thing has happened here where people, there's a certain amount of people that maybe didn't want it. And it's for different reasons over here. Over here, it's we've said it on the show before, it's not quite as political as it is in the U.S. In the U.S. So, yeah, so it is more to do with like people just not sure on kind of the the health benefits or what does it mean for the future specifically for girls I think as well because they don't know kind of what the impact is for them long term um but what we have seen is that because people want to be able to go out to restaurants to go into pubs to go and travel they've gone and taken the Johnson one because it's just the one shot and not the two so it, it that's something that kind of came to to my mind when it kind of went to that 
look, one of the one of the last points I kind of wanted to, to talk about with you is to kind of put this in a in a different context. And we will talk a little bit about Bears just at the end here because this has been one of the main stories of the season in terms of we just spoke about Cam and Mac Jones. And now every single show that we've had, it seems like it's constantly been about Justin Fields and Andy Dalton. So I like getting the opinion of kind of an outsider that's not kind of on the everyday thing here. So what would you prefer to happen if it if it was you in terms of both you as a fan of a team and also you had a client coming in? Would you prefer, let's say you had a you had a rookie quarterback that was going to be that had the opportunity to play in year one would you want them kind of sitting back a little bit and getting that time to develop behind the scenes and then coming in or do you think now that some of these guys they're just ready from pretty early on because of what they've experienced like for us we've always had a tricky situation we have some of our hosts on the show they're like he needs to start week one we have others that are like nah by week week 10 we have people saying the O-line sucks, so don't play them this year. It's gone all over the place. So what would your opinion be on that type of situation? Another great question, Clarence. I mean, well, the first question, first thought I would say is, is Justin Fields ready? Yes, no doubt yeah. he's ready to go. Is Trey Lance ready to go? Yes, no doubt he's ready to go. Um, so I want to pose one example, and um, he's probably going to end up being – maybe the great one of the greatest quarterbacks of all times. Um Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes had a red shirt year under Alex Smith. He learned the entire chief system. Um and I think it was about week 15, week 16, Andy Reid kind of threw him in. He had him, you know, had a, you know, they gave a, they gave us a little sneak preview of this this guy that was that was going to be great. They were like, "Oh, whoa, this guy has an arm." Um so for Justin to be able to learn and develop under Andy Dalton, you know, I know I saw the preseason games. As soon as Andy Dalton comes in, Justin, Justin, yeah. <laughs> Justin. But, you know, Justin handled it like a pro. Um, he he's, he's ready to go. He understands that. If his name is called, he can go. But this year, I think to be able to learn under Andy Dalton, to be able to get that tutelage, a red shirt year is not a bad thing, you know, because one, he gets exposed to the system. He gets to build more camaraderie with, with those wide receivers. He really gets to see the full because even though preseason football is a good indicator, you know, and Justin Fields, I, I you know, and, and and I promise you these NFL teams um, will remember that he said that it, it, it's slow for him, you know, and, 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 and I bet you whenever he gets sacked that first time from, by Aaron Donald, he's going to say, is it still slow, brother? You know, yeah. <laughs> so, you know um, but it is slower because again, you didn't have Aaron Donald going in and trying to attack him. You know, it was, you know, the second string guy who's trying to make a roster, but that makes a difference. Um, so yes, Justin Fields, no doubt is ready. But if, if it were my um, thoughts, I'd say, look, let him take this year. Andy Dalton's a great veteran quarterback who he can learn from, who's been in the league. Um, but the one thing also that we've seen from Andy Dalton, he probably won't make it through the entire season healthy. So no. 
I, I say I'm going to set the over under at about seven and a half games and then we'll see the Justin Fields show. You know, um, I think it's it's just a matter of time, but um, I, I'm totally in support of Coach Nagy, um, GM Ryan P Pace to be able to just say, let's let's I mean, because, again, just like we were talking about, this is the future of your franchise. So let him take it in. You know, this is not this is not a race. This is I mean, this is a this is a marathon with Justin Fields. This is going to be your franchise quarterback, which they hope is going to be their Mahomes for the next you know, 10, 12 years, you know, where they can give them a 10 year contract with a half a billion dollars, you know, <laughs> so it, it's that kind of investment that they see in him that is worth taking this red shirt year. Yeah, that's you, that's you've just gone fair. and answered the question I was going to pose to there, Corey, was uh, when do you actually see or how long do you see Dalton lasting before uh, Fields came in? But sure. OK, we'll go, we'll go around we, week seven ish well, there. Uh, yes, we, seven ish. Yes. Yeah, I we, mean, uh, he's he he actually one. I think he's what, 36, 37, somewhere around there. Yeah, something Maybe even older than that. So um, all it's going to take is about probably about that ninth, tenth sack and that one blindside sack that he's going to get, and it's going to be like, okay, it's it's, it's going to ring his bell. And so um, I like to say, I, I give it that over under seven and a half, um, and I wouldn't be surprised if it is under seven and a half um, throughout that that period. But you know, you know, Justin is going to be a great QB for the Chicago Bears. The Bears, I, I love his trajectory. Um, and I think that Ryan Pace got it right, you know. Um, so take your time with him, you know. And when you have a quarterback like that, just like Trey Lance is going to have, um, you know, pretty much a red shirt year with um, the Niners. You know, Jimmy G, he's going to learn from Jimmy G. Um, I know they're going to do some RPOs, it looks like, because, you know, um, uh, Shanahan is just that kind of crazy guy. He's like, I want both of that, both of my quarterbacks to play. So you'll probably probably see you know both of them on the field but um but yeah I'm, I'm totally in support of the bears um you know red shirt and at least for these until dalton gets hurt yeah i think as a fan base we're just uh we're just desperate to play with our new quarterback our new so we haven't had one before we we don't know what to do with it so you know get it out there <laughs> exactly no doubt and, and i'm all for that i mean you know I, I know the fans want want justin i mean i want to see justin i want to see the justin field show but at the end of the day i also want them to i want the bears to protect their franchise asset you know and you know taking that time to really you know let him observe learn at a faster pace not this slow pace that he says the nfl is slow because he's going to really see that from the preseason game two game three to regular season game one that he's like whoa it's a lot faster than i thought so yeah so. yeah jo justin's probably just like oh there's no more khalil max coming after me in, in these games we're, we're all okay once you get past aaron donald he's like oh none of these monsters are coming in but look until week single, three. Every, yeah till week three and you get miles garrett coming after you so like it's it's a it's definitely going to be an interesting one. I, I've always said I think it's going to be very similar to what we saw with Justin Herbert last year, yeah. that an injury is the reason that he comes in, but then once he comes in, you don't look back in it. Exactly, exactly. I, I think that's the most likely scenario. Look, Corey, it's been great having you on, and today it's always good being able to talk to you. We're definitely going to be having you on again. 
you want to tell people where they can kind of find out about some of your stuff? Because I know you're quite active on the social medias for your different clients as well. Well, you know, on Twitter, we're at OSMG underscore LLC. Um, Instagram, you can follow us at OSMG LLC, no underscore. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. But thank you for having me on the show. I mean, it's always a pleasure, fellas. I mean, um, I love the energy that you all bring. And um, I love to talk bears. Who I don't have any bears. I had two former bears that got yeah. cut. And well, um, I and Lacey. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but we, um, but, so we can get them on the show. That's what, exactly, that's what exactly. I look forward to that. But um, but yeah, it's definitely an honor to be on the show. I look forward to um, future shows, and um, you know, you guys are awesome. Yeah, it's great talking so, to talk yeah. to Corey. Take care. Yeah, yeah thank you. Thanks so much for that, Corey. Guys, we are live over on YouTube, so make sure you do go over there and subscribe. You can catch all these and all kind of your audio formats as well. So you can get us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Again, make sure you check out Corey and all the work that he's doing as well. It's really, really important, especially with the way kind of the NFL is going this year. It's definitely going to be an interesting season. Until next time, guys, all we can say is bear down. Bear down. Bear down. <laughs>